Tonight's reading is starting on page 1026 of your Pew Bibles. The birth of John the Baptist. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbours and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, No, he is to be called John. They said to her, There is no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment he wrote, His name is John. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue set free, and he began to speak, praising God. All the neighbours were filled with awe, and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, What then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. Zechariah's song. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David. As though he said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. This is the word of the Lord. Good evening, everybody. Right, let me just move that away. It's actually, it's really good to see so many of you here. Um, you're either not interested in football or you've um, set the record button on England and Senegal. Um, either way, it's really lovely to be here. And I am keeping an eye on the time. So, you know, 
40-minute sermon, 50-minute sermon is going to be seriously reduced. I mean, otherwise, I think Liam is just going to invite us all to go. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's fine. It's absolutely great. So I wonder, I wonder how everybody's doing. It's a time of really great joy, this time coming up to Christmas. As Liam said, Christmas is a great time. It's a time of preparation. It's a time of all the wonderful things that we look forward to. But I'm really aware it's also for many, it is quite a tricky time. Uh, We think of people who are not going to be with us this Christmas. Uh, We think of those with whom we might have had disagreements um, that is slightly marring our sense of preparation. Um, There are sadnesses. We look around and see people who are without. Only, in fact, yesterday I had a message from somebody who, it was really, it just made me so sad. She said, Victoria, I, I don't know what to do. It's the, it's the last week of the month. I have nothing. Um, so, you know, one needs to respond. <clears throat> but our reading begins with a baby boy's circumcision on the eighth day since his birth. It was the custom um, for the people of Israel, for the Jewish people. We have the parents, we have a baby, and we actually have a bunch of quite opinionated, mouthy friends and relatives um, who are gathered around. No ordinary baby, it seems, born to a woman last, long past child-rearing age, long past the hope of a child. A miraculous baby. We read um, in our scripture, this baby was God's mercy, Isn't that wonderful? God's mercy. A baby whose birth and purpose were prophesied in detail. A baby who himself would be a prophetic voice. Jesus called him the greatest among men. And later in Luke, Jesus is recorded as saying the law and the prophets were proclaimed until John. But since that time... The kingdom of God is being preached. So John was like a transitional figure, forming the link between the Old and the New Testament. John is the Advent figure. He's the one pointing to Jesus, just as Jesus points to his own coming again in glory. After 400 years, the last time people had heard the prophetic voice of God was through Malachi, 400 years previously. God was speaking again. And do you know, brothers and sisters, he hasn't stopped speaking. I know some people wonder, well, is God still speaking? Well, yes, he is. We have his Holy Spirit. He speaks to us all the time, if we would but hear him. We're living under the freedom of John's prophetic ministry of repentance and forgiveness through Jesus. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. We're living at a time when all those who have received Jesus as Lord and Savior, who have been baptized in water and the Spirit, can hear God speaking. In Mark 1, 4, it says, I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Sins forgiven, no longer through the sacrifice of blood of animals, 
but through the sacrifice of the blood of Jesus. But you know what? John did not have that, did he? He prepared the way for a blessing he was not to be part of. Many suggest that in John the Baptist we have the Advent Commission to prepare the way of the Lord in the way that John did, calling people to repentance and faith in Jesus. And indeed we do, not just in Advent, I may say. We're called to prepare the way for a kingdom we have received, a kingdom we're part of, a kingdom we belong to. We're called to proclaim the gospel Jesus proclaimed. John himself said, I must decrease and he must increase. In fact, in John 1, verse 22, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, they were getting incredibly confused by this guy, kind of staggering out of the desert wearing what he was, which was pretty much not much, and eating honey and and kind of thundering, you vipers, repent. And they were kind of thinking, whoa, who are you? I mean, what kind of person are you? I am the voice of one saying in the wilderness, make straight the way for the Lord. You see, we're not called to proclaim John, but to proclaim Jesus. And I think we kind of need to not get caught up in being John, but actually proclaiming Jesus. We're not called to cry hellfire and brimstone. At least there may be some, but, you know. We're called to proclaim Jesus. And the more I read of the narrative of John, the more I realized the central message of this is God's comfort, his tenderness, the mercy of God, the freedom we have as sons and daughters of God. And that's what I want us to really think about. We're called to bring a message of hope. Liam alluded to that. Zachariah heard that eventually. Uh, Elizabeth did. So let me just go through some of this and perhaps we we can get some comfort for ourselves. So there's Zechariah, once in a lifetime opportunity to go and burn incense at the table of incense in the kind of room just outside the Holy of Holies. Basically, it was a huge honor. Um, And it was a once in a lifetime. I won't go into all the reasons how and why, but it was. And there you are going about your business, you know, thrilled. Wow. I have been picked to go and do this service. And on your right-hand side, out of the clear blue temple, as opposed to the sky, there comes an angel. Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife will bear you a son. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. He will be great in the sight of the Lord. Words of comfort, tender words, words that surely Zechariah has spent years hoping to hear. I mean, Zechariah, just receive it, brother, just receive it, just just receive it. How can I be sure of this? 
bad move. Um, Note to self, don't argue with an angel. It might be the last thing you say for quite a long time. His voice goes. He is mute. But it is interesting, and we will get to that, but the very same voice that was made dumb through doubting was restored through obedience. It's, it's, a, it's really... I find as, as I read this passage so many things that I look at my life and I say, Lord, all those times I've doubted you, does this mean that I have actually been arguing with you? So <clears throat> let's look at Elizabeth. So both Zechariah and Elizabeth were of priestly descent, devout, childless. Um, Elizabeth and Zechariah had been together many years. They were committed to one another, and one must assume they, they really wanted to be, and they loved one another, because according to Jewish law, Zechariah could have divorced her. He could have just, you know, walked, uh, because they were childless. I mean, it's a bit rough, actually, that she would be the one blamed, but let's not go down that road. Um, so... Can you imagine, he comes out of the temple, he can't say a word, everybody thinks, wow, he's had a vision of God. Well, yes, that's true, but he did also doubt. But So he comes home, and you know, we don't hear, oh, wouldn't you like to have been a fly on the wall, as they got out the kind of the wax writing tablet. Now, I wonder what Zechariah said. I wonder, was it first, God's made me dumb because I doubted, or guess what, we're going to have a baby. But do you know what Elizabeth does? She goes into seclusion for five months. Here is this, this woman, and again, let's not underestimate the pain for Elizabeth. And I, as others have said in this series on miraculous births, There is a pain uh, for many of our brothers and sisters, not just in this church, but many of us will know people who have longed for a baby, um, and that baby has not come. Now, Zechariah and Elizabeth had waited, and I would imagine were way beyond thinking it would ever happen. Way beyond thinking. But they faithfully trusted in God. And what they trusted God for was, I think, not so much a baby, but that God would fulfill his promise. God would fulfill his promise to bring a Messiah. God would fulfill his promise to redeem his people. And then what happens to Elizabeth? Well, her young cousin Mary comes when she's about six months pregnant. And we hear that Mary speaks and the baby inside Elizabeth's womb leaps for joy. And Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. And uh, Elizabeth then says, and let me just find that here. 
And in a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. What, what comfort and what a comfort for Mary to go and know that the Holy Spirit had not just come upon her, but had come upon Elizabeth. And Elizabeth was confirming what Mary had been told. That is the tenderness of our God. So let's just move on. Because of the cross, because of what Jesus did, because of his death, because of his resurrection, because of Pentecost, we have the Holy Spirit. It's not just Mary. It's not just Zechariah. It's not just Elizabeth. It's all of us. It's you and I who have come to Jesus as Lord and Savior. We can hear him. Someone asked me recently, how do you hear God? And my answer was, I think the only answer that I could come up with, for me personally, is actually what I imagine Elizabeth did. Daily, faithful, coming to the Lord in prayer, reading her scripture, talking with her friends, being in the Lord together with other people. And gradually what happens is you begin to recognize the sound of the master. You begin to recognize the voice of God. My sheep hear my voice. A mother with a room full of babies will always hear the sound of her own baby. And the more we spend time with God in prayer, the more we spend time focusing on what Jesus has done for us, the more we will hear the voice of God. Through faithful waiting, through just waiting on the Lord. This is a time of waiting, and I'm sure different ones of us have had times of waiting. Lord, when are you going to answer this prayer? And you know, sometimes the Lord just doesn't answer it. He didn't answer Elizabeth's prayer. Let's give it 40, 50 years. <laughs> it's quite a long time, isn't it? I have in my own life a prayer think I've mentioned this once before, a prayer for a cousin of mine to come to the Lord. Well, that was a prayer that went on for about 35 years, and then the Lord literally broke into her life during one night. Sometimes we just have to wait. <clears throat> but if we go back to an earlier prophet I want us to think about how, when we hear God's voice, how are we to speak it to people? Are we to do 
the kind of the classic, slightly caricatured John the Baptist slamming people with repentance? I don't think so. When we go back, um, let me get Isaiah here. When we get back to Isaiah chapter 40, it's a wonderful, wonderful passage, Isaiah 40. What does it say? It says, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin is paid for, that her sin is paid for. Now that, that is a call to repentance, but it's a call to repentance because when we repent, when we come before God, we experience freedom. Not condemnation. And I do believe that many of us as Christians, I don't know, have you ever come to a time of confession in the service and thought, oops, here we go. I need to kind of screw myself up and tell God of all the dreadful things I've done. Do you know what? It shouldn't be like that. It shouldn't be like that. It's taken me years to learn that. But what about a longing to come before God every time we blow it? Because we know that when we come before him and when we say, Lord, I am truly sorry, that's the confession bit, I'm sorry. And the repentance bit is, Lord, please forgive me and show me how to turn back to you. Show me how to do it differently. The freedom of that, how God then lifts the burden of sin from us. And that is the message, brothers and sisters, I have a feeling that people around us need to hear at the moment. I don't think people need to be hammered with the kind of repentance that makes them feel bad about themselves. I think we need to declare to people a repentance that will bring them to Jesus, a repentance that will set them free, a repentance that will actually cause them to be restored in relationship to God. Because that is what Jesus came to do. He came to bring us back to his Father. So as we... As we go through this Advent time, as we, as we see friends and neighbors and family, perhaps I could encourage us um, with God's tender mercy, the mercy he showed to Zechariah, the mercy um, he showed to Elizabeth. And we could speak tenderly to those people we love, not mincing our words, not trying to, you know, call sin anything else but what it is. But actually, what's, what's the goal of repentance? The goal of repentance is being united with the Father. The goal of repentance is having 
an ongoing relationship with Jesus. The goal of repentance is for the Holy Spirit to come upon us so that we can hear God every day, every time we come to him through his word, through one another. So I'm going to, I'm going to close there. Um, <clears throat> I'm looking at the clock here. But I guess the challenge for us this evening, this is what we may want to say to others. My challenge to each of us is have we accepted that? Have we accepted that repentance is not condemnation, that repentance is freedom, repentance is comfort, repentance is about God's tenderness towards us. It's about putting us back on the path to the Father. It is about acknowledging before God with hearts that are full of thankfulness that we understand the enormous price that was paid for us. The price was his own son. That was the price. He sent Jesus. That was the price. To die on a cross so that every single sin could be contained within him, bled through him to set us free. That was the price that Jesus paid for us. Um, I don't think God's about hammering us. I think God's about opening our eyes to the extraordinary wonder of what he did for us. That is what John the Baptist came to open the door is to what Jesus had done for us. And he had to be a bit dramatic about it because actually who would hear him otherwise? Let me just pray. Father, um, thank you that you are a God who wants to comfort his people. And you comforted us through the enormous sacrifice of your son, the Messiah, the long-awaited Messiah. Father, thank you that we have not had to wait for the Messiah in the way that Elizabeth did, in the way that Zechariah did. Thank you for the revelation of Jesus to each one of us who have come and called your Son our Lord and Saviour. Father, would you... Show us how you long to speak tenderly to us in these days that we might speak tenderly to those around us and draw them into relationship with you. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.